0: Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Biggs and I'm your host today, but I am joined by three wonderful Blazer's Edge writers and contributors. We are all in Vegas, steamy hot Vegas. How are you guys doing?
1: Good, Tara. Thanks for having us on.
0: So that was Steve DeWald and next to him we have Brian Freeman, going to try to paint a picture for everybody.
1: Hi, yeah. thanks
2: for having us on. You know, it's uh, it's been pretty awesome being down here and especially having three other people with Blazer's Edge it's been fun
0: and finally joining us for the roundtable today is david mckay news editor
3: hey how's it going i think for it to be steaming hot in vegas there has to be some moisture
0: that is true it is a hot dry it's a hot dry heat and uh we are surviving it northwesterners we have not um succumbed too much to heat stroke but we are staying inside in the air conditioned as much as possible we are a hearty folk well, we are here today to talk Summer League, and we've got, uh, there's a few interesting storylines playing out on the Trailblazers, uh, with the Trailblazers roster, so let's just dive right into it. The, we have the big three now in Portland. I guess everybody's calling Lillard, McCollum, and Nurkic the big three. So I want to talk about what I'm calling the big four, which are the four main characters that we are watching here at Summer League today. That's Collins, Swanigan, Lehman, and Connaughton. So, I guess let's just start with what are your impressions of these guys so far? Steve, why don't we start with you? Um,
1: Connington definitely didn't get off to the start that I'm sure he was hoping for, being on a non-guaranteed contract. And his, I mean, he's been here before. I was kind of expecting him to take the next step. So that, that's that been a little bit disappointing, I kind of feel for him through this whole thing. Um, I think Jake Lehman's looked confident. I mean, his shot wasn't going in yesterday, but I, I don't think he's hesitating, which that's been good to see. Um, Collins needs to add weight. It's he's he's struggled, plain and simple. And and Swanigan's just fun to watch. I mean, it's almost like that Nurkic effect of where, you know, he's a, he's a bull in a china shop. I mean, he kind of clears space and he's very intense, and it's it's a joy to watch. I mean, I, I love those type of players.
0: How about you, Brian?
2: Yeah, I would say I'd go along with what Steve said, and uh, you know, Swanigan's probably the only one that we could say has, has played above what our expectations for for the four players would be. I think Connington and and Collins are, as far as their results have been, has been way less than we would have expected. Uh, Lehman's been, Lehman's looked, I would say he's actually looked good. He hasn't played well, but he's looked solid. But I wouldn't say he's performed better than what we would have hoped from him. And Swanigan's just this, just lovable beast that just plays as as hard as he can all the time and makes stupid fouls, but just hustle fouls. Man, Portland's just going to love him.
0: David?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think Lehman's doing pretty well, um, especially in Game 1. Maybe not necessarily Game 2. He kind of tailed off a bit. But I was talking to uh, John McCullough, who's one of the assistant coaches. He said he's been working with him. Uh, he's been in the gym constantly. Lehman's put in a lot of work this summer. So I was excited to see that he looks confident out there. Uh, Caleb, as these guys said, is just fantastic. He's fun. I don't know uh, how well that'll translate in the regular season. He's kind of a positionless big. But at Summer League, his game is designed to be entertaining, uh, looking then at you know Connaughton and Collins, they've uh, they've certainly underwhelmed. Uh, that said, Collins has looked good on defense. He's he's looked pretty solid there. He just he can't find his shot. I think he's four of twenty in the first two games, shooting tw- a blistering twenty percent in the Vegas Heat.
0: When when you guys first came down here, what were sort of the things that you were expecting to see when you came here? What what were you wanting to uh, see out of these rookies?
1: i mean with, with collins i i wanted to see if he could guard potentially guard a power forward at the next level if he was going to be able to play in a lineup next to uh next to Nurkic, and and so far really he he's his lateral quickness i think is there but there's other things that aren't quite there yet that david kind of touched on as far as his offense goes um with Swanigan, i just wanted to see what he looked like like David touched on it already too was his game is tailored to look good in summer league and so far that's held true
0: before you answer Brian in your article from today you talked really specifically about some really specific physical traits that you're seeing in the players so can you talk a little bit about whether or not you are specifically looking to see uh, Caleb Swanigan and Zach Collins play in the way that you've been seeing them play
2: yeah I mean I think for the most part I mean Steve did a primer uh, before summer league, and one of the things we, that was in, uh, that we really wanted to see is, is whether either one of the guys could could guard the perimeter at all. You know, we're going to have Nurkic centered at the. You know, he's going to be our center for most of the time. But you know, in this day and age in basketball, you need to be able to guard the perimeter. When you have a big man that can, you're just exponentially more valuable.
1: And, and guards that can't guard on the perimeter, you're going to need big men. <laughs> right,
2: <laughs> right. You know, when you start Damon, CJ as your guards, you know, having bigs being able to cover out there, it matters, and it matters a ton.
0: And you sat next to me at enough games to know that my next question is, specifically, <laughs> what does that look like? What is someone's body doing? What are they, where are their arms? How are they, you know, how are they based next to the person that they're supposed to be guarding? What uh, does good good perimeter defense look like, especially considering this is the summer league and we're just getting started? Well, the most important thing is you got to be able to contain them. you got to
2: be able to keep them in front. That's uh, that's the biggest uh, the biggest challenge that faces a lot of big men when you have these quick guards that can you know put up a pump fake change directions uh, you know big men are turning around sometimes trying to see them you know if you can if you can stay low if you can stay uh, parallel with the with the guard's body um, you know that's that's huge and especially someone like uh, someone who's long like um, like Collins is even if as long as he can just kind of stay parallel with them you know as soon as they make an attempt to try to get to the basket his length can bother their shot. So his job at that point is just to kind of keep him in front. And so when they make that a, attempt at the basket, his, his length can, can discourage a, an easier uh, easier basket.
1: I think it's important to mention, too, that it, it's not just against summer league competition that both these guys displayed it against. I mean, they were doing against Jason Tatum yesterday, who projects to be a, a, a player mm-hmm. next year that's probably going to play in Boston's rotation, and Jalen Brown, who I don't think really belongs at summer league after – I mean, he's looked really good. He kind of looks at that cut above players that are here. So it was it was nice to see those guys be able to do that against that level of competition.
3: Yeah, that was something that was a little bit surprising, but in a good way with Swanigan, was he was able to, to kind of come out and guard the three, which I think was a question mark coming in, was if he was going to be able to successfully hold players at, closer to the perimeter and coming out away from the basket. And like you said, he looked great. Like, he was doing just
2: fine. And one thing, one thing about his defense – um, that's still kind of a question you know the times that we've seen him on the perimeter he gets the time to face up and he gets in, gets low gets in a stance and, and and at that point when he's in that position he, he's ready to go and he's you know he can handle the contact he can move laterally well laterally well but i still i still haven't seen him out in a closeout, you know starting in the post and having to run out of guard chase the guard and um, be able to stop and change the direction when he's not. Completely in a stance yet, um, you know that matters a ton as far as helping and, and recovering. And we actually haven't—I don't know if we've seen one or more than one play, maybe even one play where they where they were in that situation where we had to close out on a on a guard or a quicker forward. So we're still going to keep eyes on that, and see if see how they respond in those kind of situations. But as far as just the one-on-one matchups go, they are both impressed.
0: When we were watching the game yesterday against the Celtics, I kept thinking it looks so crowded. And I don't know if that's because these are younger players who are less experienced. I kept thinking, this, this field looks smaller than the one. This can't be the same size as the field that the Cavs and the team from the Bay Area played on. It just felt really, really crowded. Can you ad- address why it might seem like you that? Mean, you mean the court itself? Yeah. But, yeah.
1: I, I think some of it comes down to when Portland's outside shots aren't coming, go, going down, I think that, that court collapses on itself. So you're seeing a lot of big bodies all really tight together but yeah i i mean and also i mean you're in a college stadium too i think some of that kind of makes it feel a little smaller makes it feel almost like you're back in high school or something so
3: yeah and then like since it's summer league competition this isn't nba basketball when things start to break down it can look a little bit like an indoor soccer match with kids you know how they kind of cluster uh just a little bit but you know for the most part i think they've done a good job of executing or at least trying to run what the coaches want them to but Understanding that, like, it's it's just not going to look the same because, like, the spacing and the, the sets, it's just they're not all professional players uh, yet. Or, you know, the ones who have been or will be.
0: Mm-hmm. We've been kind of dancing around the issue, which is that we've actually been watching a lot of defense. Uh, we've all you know, said some complimentary things about all of these players and how they've handled, or at least especially our, our newest guys. We've talked about how um, they've been able to do some of the things that we were hoping that they were going to be able to do. So their spacing, their activity in their hands. There's been some good defense, basically, which is not a typical Conversation that we've had a lot (laughs) over the last couple of years. Let's face it, and you know what's interesting to me about what's what we've been seeing is the Blazers have really been struggling on offense this weekend. They're only averaging 68 points per game. So right now at this point, when we're talking on Monday morning, all the teams have played twice. So uh, the Blazers are averaging only 68 points per game. That's the second lowest amongst all of the teams. Uh, So we're second to last in scoring right now at 68 points per game. But as of this moment, guess who is right on top in terms of opponents' points per game? Yes, that is your Portland Trailblazers are allowing the fewest opponents' points at uh, 68.5. Granted, it's a small sample, but they have been, but they have been really having a hard time um, shooting. Anyway, is this defensive? What we're seeing on def- defense is this fool's gold.
3: In part, I mean, it, this is summer league competition, so like they're not trying to hold and retain uh, elite shooters. So, part of why I think that <laughs> their their scoring totals have been low and their points allowed has also been low is that it's just really ugly basketball a lot of the time. And uh, one of the things I've been complaining about for the past several hours and yesterday is that I think we had 54 fouls yesterday, which in a 40-minute game, like, my goodness, that, that's more than a foul a minute by a wide margin, and it's hard to watch. It really is. So... When you take guys who who uh, are are struggling even from the free throw line, and you slow the game down, and you're trying to okay, well, no one can make a layup, everyone's fouling before they even get there, you know, getting hit on the elbow and stuff like that. It it's just I don't know how much of it can be attributed to defense. We've seen some good stuff from our high draft picks, but for the most part, I look at it and I just think, man, this is rough basketball.
2: Yeah, and another another thing to think about is a lot of people when they think about summer league they think about these are a lot of fringe nba players you know guys that you know maybe he can make it most of these rosters especially when you get out of the top top maybe two three four guys i mean you're talking about fringe d league players i mean there's i would say maybe 10 people that we've seen that have been that, that have been out of college for more than two years in, in any of the rosters and so you don't get you're not getting these these nba ready borderline type of guys You're getting guys that may get in the d league like this is this is a whole level behind that that fringe nba uh, nba nba talent level
1: there's still things you i think you can take from some of this play though but there's definitely guys who are at that next level like you watch a, a team like memphis who has wayne selden here who's like obviously a cut above of some of these guys like that guy's an nba rotational player and i think the Blazers did play well against some of those guys at times yesterday against the Celtics. Like, I, I already touched on Tatum and Brown. Like, yeah, Brown had an, an amazing dunk against the Blazers, but that wasn't against a guy who's going to make the roster. But, I mean, Swannigan was able to stay in front of both of them. Collins was in the right position most of the time, which that that is encouraging. As far as Portland's offensive deficiencies, I don't think Portland came down here with a true point guard. I think R.J. RJ Hunter is a nice player, but in my eyes, he's a two guard. He looks for... He's best when he's looking for his own shot, not for others. And something I'm hoping to see in the next few games is guys like Nick Johnson or even Jorge Gutierrez play a little more because I think they're more oriented to get the big guys the ball a little better.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Gutierrez has actually looked really solid. Uh, I mean, I think he's 28 and he last played in Turkey or something. But, like, his facilitation is is, – you know, it's a relatively high level for summer league play, but you look at these guys and you're not going to rack up assists if no one can finish.
0: That was actually a perfect segue into my next question, which was going to be about other players who uh, you want to remark on. Uh, yeah, Gutierrez, I think, has really uh, shown himself really, really well. When he comes in, the, the team does seem to play a more of a uh, set offense. I... I was thinking when, because when before I came down, people were like, "Oh, they didn't get him a real point guard. It's going to be a bummer." And I think that actually, um, they meant. They planned on that because they wanted our new people to focus on defense. And if they had like a fantastic point guard who is always serving them the perfect ball and stuff, they wouldn't be able to, they would be worried about scoring and trying to score and get their, get their points. So I think it was a conspiracy to send them down to Las Vegas (laughs) with someone. You know, w- without a, a focus on a uh, heavy guard, hand, you know, ball handling guards who are going to create a lot of things. But yeah, so can I hear some more about other players that maybe anybody has noticed? Brian, have you noticed any other players? Uh, I think I think the
2: I was really interested to to see some of Jordan Adams. That was a guy that David and <laughs> and Steven have been pumping up pretty much since the rosters came out. But we haven't got to see him. I'm not sure if it's by injury or, or what the deal is. Um, Markel Brown actually looked really good in the beginning of yesterday he, he went down with that shoulder injury but he was kind of the only guy offensively that looked like he could really get anything going for the first couple quarters uh, spectacular athlete I don't know if it, but you know pretty much down the line you're not probably you're probably not getting any any legit NBA players out of our top four I mean none of those guys are are, are going to make a roster in my opinion yeah but they're just some of more fun players that can help in summer league but yeah, I was
3: particularly excited to see Adams. And I imagine we still will, just because in Summer League, the coaches tend to stagger the lineups. you got 13 guys, 40 minutes. and Do you, do you know, is he injured? I don't think so. I haven't seen anything from the Blazers, so I imagine he's okay. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll double-check again later. But I think it's just going to be one of those things where, like, some of the guys get DMPs. He happened to get a couple in the first two games. Maybe he'll play in the next one. I, I bet he'll be out there in the tournament. And, again, you know, <laughs> I need to check because it could be – that the Blazers have said he's not going to play or maybe has a concussion. But, I, you know, at that point, it's just speculation. I think we'll see him out there. And like you said, Markell looked good. Um, it's too bad that he's out now because, you know, he ran into that pick pretty hard and messed up his shoulder. But I think once you get a little bit further down the roster, you're just getting warm bodies. Like, Josh, is it Josh Scott? It's Scott. Yeah. I think it's Josh Scott. He he was really on the receiving end of a hammer from uh, Jalen the other day. So. Uh. We'll see if his career recovers.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of guys named Markel, uh, how about other players around on other teams? Because we're not down here just watching Blazers. I'm, I'm sure everybody's taken in a couple of other games as well. So how about some of the other things that you've seen from other teams?
1: So, so first off, I think the first game the Blazers uh, play the Jazz, and Donovan Mitchell, the rookie out of Louisville, looked look great. He looked like a guy who's going to play meaningful minutes in the NBA next year and push into a, a good rotation in Utah. And he kind of get to anywhere he wants to on the court. He has the length to keep guards in front of him. I mean, he he was a stifling presence out there on on defense. And then yesterday, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. was awesome for for Dallas.
0: The Jazz is the other team that has scored less than is the only team that scored <laughs> less than us. By the way.
2: Yeah, I mean Dennis Dennis Smith Jr. I think is I feel pretty confident about saying that's the best player that I've seen at the summer league. I mean, he's he's looked amazing. He he played great against us. Um, I mean, you just have you have probably roughly eight, nine, ten guys that really, really are a lot better than everybody else. You know, Alonzo looked good, uh, as he said. Mitchell and um, Mitchell and Smith looked good. Uh, I thought Tatum looked really good. Jalen Brown maybe even looked a little bit better.
0: Has anyone watched Sacramento yet?
2: Uh,
3: yes, no, that's not. what I was about to say. I would lobby to put De'Aaron Fox in that conversation because he looked fantastic. Uh, he had one, I think it was against Phoenix the night I got here, where. He finished so high off the glass. He just like ran in, scooped it. I think it was left-handed. And is, is, wait, is he left-handed?
0: Am I? I was <laughs> watching that on TV, and he always goes with the left hand. They were talking; the commentators were okay. saying that he's very heavy um, on his. Le- I don't know if he's left-handed, but in basketball, he uses his left hand. Yeah,
3: no, he he's looked fantastic. And as as a Kings fan, Ooh. I'm giving you a gold star. Thank you. I have a soft spot for these teams that struggle. Like I I was a a fan of the Wizards through the, the uh, Nick Young. JaVale McGee, Andre Blatcher. I'm still waiting for Golden State to dig the Andre The potentially future
0: hiding. world champion, Nick Young.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm ready. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, at, at any rate, I'm really excited for Sacramento this year. Uh, and I think De'Aaron looks, looks great.
0: Yeah, I watched the, that Sacramento game from home before I came down here. And they are going to be fun to watch. There's going to be, you know, rookie moments. But De'Aaron, fought, he is so fast and just... So uh, aware of everything that's going on on the on the court, he's going to be fun. And um, there are other. I don't think Harry Giles is is he playing yet? No, he's, uh, he's, he's still not. he's still injured. So the other guy whose name starts with a J, because like half of the rookies' mm-hmm. names started with a J. Justin yeah, Justin yeah. Jackson. Uh, he yeah he was you were talking about him, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, Ju-
1: Justin Jackson had a really nice first game. I guess I. Uh, so there's two gyms at summer league, and Cox is the sm- the Cox Pavilion is a smaller one, and it was overloaded yesterday so we weren't able to get in there to see the kings game but i'm interested to see them play because I, I don't think jackson really had a great game <laughs> yesterday but is it that's a that's a team i really want to watch again and then i want to see bam play for the heat while i'm here because i i heard he's playing well and then also check diallo a second year guy for new orleans i guess has looked pretty good as for a big man at summer league doesn't it sound bizarre to say
3: that the kings will be fun to watch this year like th- those words don't belong in that order. That has been a long time since it was been oh said. Oh my gosh! Well, but I oh sorry to cut you off. No, no, I, I I too
2: am interested in uh, Bam Adebayo. I think he's going to be fun. Then, and then on the other end of that spectrum was the Suns. The Suns were a team that, I mean, they have, I mean, th- three or four guys that are, you know, supposed to be part of their rotation, part of their future. I mean, they have they have one of the most uh, NBA experienced rosters coming in here. Man, they look—they all look terrible. Just watching watching guys that we expected to, to dominate look like
1: average summer league players was, was pretty disheartening. I, I think they might be suffering from something that I, I said the Blazers are, too, as far as a true point guard comes. Because Tyler Eulis isn't playing. I mean, they, I think they have one true point guard on their summer league roster. And when you have guys like Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender, you need a guy to put them in a good spot. And they just didn't have that. I mean, granted, it they didn't look good on top of that, but... I really liked what
2: uh, the Clippers did when they, uh, you know, they brought in Kendall Marshall, you know, to be their point guard. Kendall Marshall's not going to be in the NBA. He's probably not, you know, he's not going to make any effect on that franchise. But he's a guy that can come in and sit summer league, set guys up, put them in a good b- position. And then look how like um, Bryce has done, and, and the Clippers have played well. And, and he's just a guy like that. I agree with you. The Suns could use.
0: I think we might be in a bizarro world because we're talking about how fun the uh the sacramento kings are going to be to watch and what a smart thing the clippers did and <laughs> i don't know <laughs>
1: it's it's all summer league though to, to wrap that up right yeah you
3: gotta make sure you don't over
1: analyze here <laughs> before we get past the players i think it's a major bummer that markel faults basically we didn't get to see him here i mean i i hope is i don't it doesn't sound like his ankle injury is serious but it, it's still disappointing to not see him play or that really tragic camp, uh, cramp from brandon ingram
2: I was really sad
3: can i just i just want this is a conversation we've had with the lakers guys and they're trying to change my mind and i don't mean to derail the conversation but like i am still so low on brandon ingram from where i think a lot of people place him he and i've said this before is like he plays the most aesthetically pleasing bad basketball that like it's it's are you gonna are you gonna no i just want
0: clarification on bad
3: Okay, well, not maybe not bad basketball. It's uh <laughs> it's poorly executed, but it's very fluid. So you'll look it'll be like, man, that was a beautiful miss, or like he gave that he gave that up and it looked great. And so he, it's one of those things where you look at him and you're like, he has all the physical tools aside from like being like 90 pounds, to to succeed. He has length. He's, he's I, But I don't know. I see him as being a low level starter, rotation player, career long. But it, you know, in five years someone will bring this up and maybe yell at me
0: (laughs) well no whatever you uh, I you think that you know how his play is and what his future is like I when I look at Caleb's or uh, when I look at Zach Collins and his body and his physical makeup I think about the way that even though Brandon Ingrams is is still very very slight when I was watching him play I it looks to me like he's gotten physically stronger whether or not he's put on a lot of pounds His ability to get to the rim more this year and again summer league but you know I just feel like he has gained a lot of strength and that's the kind of strength that I would like to see Zach Collins pick up that inner core that like propels you forward and can launch you you know into the places that you want to go and I mean some
2: some people just bloom physically later than other people and when you look at Zach Collins if he was if he was six foot he could he could pass for like a 16 year old just in like his the way his body is and his face and uh, you know so he's gonna be able to put on muscle by lifting but just getting older will in itself will solve some of those problems you know you kind of get that that man strength and there are a lot of people that at 16 17 18 they have that I mean they look like men and their bodies are filled out um, Zach Collins doesn't have that
0: not everybody I have a I have a question for you Brian um, and everybody else you know who wants to jump in too but when I when I'm Thinking about Summer League, like, so when Caleb Swanigan was interviewed right before Summer League and he was asked what he wanted to accomplish at Summer League, he said he just wants to win the whole thing. So, which is great. You know, you want your players to want to win things. But tournaments like this are really meant for player development, right? I mean, that's the, we're, 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 it's not so much about wins and losses as it is teaching the players how to do the things they're supposed to do. So, my question is, um, what do teams do in these types of situations to help players balance their natural competitive nature with their need to work on specific aspects of the game? Like, we're asking you to go in and work on these specific things. Winning is not necessarily our objective like does that mess with the player's head or is it
2: it's funny because kind of in this day and age with the way the draft works that happens in the regular season too you know where winning is not the most important thing and so it's just I think it's a lot of the same guidelines you you tell them you know we want to do this and this is our strategy for the game we want to work on we want to work on this and that but at the end of the day every player the coach I mean, they want to win the game the players should be playing like they want to win the game of course in under the infrastructure that the coach has set up but the goal is to win
0: how about like when you do something directly like the coaches are trying to work with you to do this one thing and you keep not doing that one thing because you want to make the play that you know that you know you're used to doing and you can get the points <laughs>
2: well once again i think that happens in regular season as well where you know you're telling your star you know you pass it here or whatever and they keep going one-on-one because they think that's the more efficient shot, and you basketball always needs to be played under the guidelines of of how the what the team has planned for that for that game or for that system you try to win within that within the confines of what you've uh
3: that's one of the things i really like to see from the blazers so far is that like they've all been really vocal on the court and trying to do what the coaches say and talking to some other guys uh that are watching these games it's interesting because uh like josh josh jackson out in phoenix like i've heard that he's waving off some of his teammates asking him to do stuff and we don't see any of that with the Blazers. Like they're all working really hard and uh, they're watching film between games and I, I think from a
2: developmental standpoint, they're right where they need to be in terms of mindset. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a bad sign if you got rookies waving off people in, in summer league. That'd be that'd be an issue right away. And but as you said, you know, I think you know, you, you can see especially Swan again, you know, he's he's talking with people and they're they're figuring out problems as they go and you know, the the goal is to win. You know, they there. That's where their heads at. But you know, as you said, it's it's doing it within the confines of what the what the game plan was.
0: The goal is to do what your coach said and win. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's the plan. Steve, do you have anything you want to add about that?
1: I think it's just getting in and out of the sets properly. I mean, Terry Stotts isn't coaching this team, but he's right there with a the notebook. I think Stotts, in his in his tenure in Portland, rewards guys who practice hard and you know execute well and pay attention. And this is an extent. This is. A more hyped up practice really is what summer league is and i think if you can make a good impression here i think it could go a long way with especially with swanigan and collins and i mean even a guy like jake layman and hopefully pat kindon recovers this could you know they could weasel their way into some minute meaningful minutes early on in the season
2: yeah and that's that's another thing is is they haven't really been practicing that long when you look at like when you look at most games that we watch and all regular season games they get they get months of practice and months of organization these are guys that have not played together you know they've only had a few practices and a couple weeks to do you can't put in complicated offense you can't put in complicated sets so you know their their game structure is, is very flexible you're not looking at the ball needs to go here then here and you got to cut and make this read it's kind of more general let's try to do this kind of stuff they've actually ran some systems and you know me and steve steve me and you were talking about that right we watched the system and i looked over you i said i absolutely have no idea what the point of that was and there's confusion you know but they just haven't had time and that's normal
1: yeah yeah i mean you're working in broad strokes here for sure but you also want to show that you're coachable too and i i think like when it gets back to watching film and being focused and working with your teammates that's all signs of be of being a coachable player which is huge for these young guys if they want to play
0: I've noticed with Swanigan that he has kind of a he, – he's different than Blazers that we're used to. He has, like, no patience if <laughs> things aren't going the way. I mean, not in a bad way, but, you know, he's hes so engaged every time out. Like, his whole body is focused on what the coach is saying. He's, like, he's turned towards the coach. He's looking in him in the eye. He's really, really super engaged. I've really noticed that. David, I have a question for you to uh, – move over on to to the next topic what's it like cover covering summer league because it's got to be different than your regular routine when you're covering the blazers there's so much going on it is absolutely exhausting (laughs) you look amazing for somebody who's probably been awake for three days oh well thank
3: you it feels like 10. uh no it's it's fun like i my approach this year has been different than it was last year i think last year i came I did a lot more writing this year. I'm doing a lot of photography, some video content, and obviously I've got these guys down here doing analysis. They're doing a great job, but like it's, you know, it's fun. You kind of you mosey over to the arena and you know, like enjoy the air conditioning of the media room, and then head out to the game. And you're sitting uh, baseline and trying to make sure you're running social media and and uh, getting everything you need in terms of f- uh, pictures for the articles and uh, talking to the players is. Is a little bit different than at practice because at practice uh like back in portland or excuse me toileton where the facility is uh they'll finish up and you know they're there to talk to you it's part of their job and you're just like hey you know how's it going what's what's it's a little more low-key and you can get good information but like they're tired man they just finished playing like i know uh caleb the other day had to go sign autographs so i didn't didn't want to fault him too bad for giving the same answer to every question He's like, I just played hard just played hard just played hard
0: that sounds familiar
3: yeah so (laughs) so you know it's uh it's nice Jim Moran the the head coach this year is uh he's a great interview he's very open uh Zach has been uh, I mean so he's not it's not that he's a bad interview I'd like to see him be a little less hard on himself and I don't mean that in his standpoint that like obviously you want guys to self-critique which is great uh it's a good trait but like he's he's almost like down on himself and I feel like come on man like this is summer league just get after it and he he'll turn things around i'm sure uh this this uh 20 shooting won't hold up and hopefully he'll look a little bit better but in terms of coverage like it's great i like coming out here i'm busy most all day long like this was going to be my uh, my off day and it filled up real quick so i it's a great time And I I really enjoy it if I can keep my eyes open.
0: So when you're covering um, for people who haven't seen inside the arena, the the media area are are behind the basket. And you're in the area where all like the players and the teams will come in right before their game. And it's just a cavalcade of stars. Yeah. <laughs> Basically both, you know, not just, you know, current basketball players, but, you know, past basketball players, media people. How do you uh pay attention to what you're supposed to be attention when all that stuff is going on around you?
3: Well, no, like I I've, I've been around it enough that it doesn't really phase me, but like I know uh watching the game the other day, I was <laughs> I had started to critique uh, RJ Hunter and I was sitting next to a, a guy from the Boston Herald, Mark Murphy. He's been—I think he's been with them since '88—and he quietly leaned over to me and said, "You know, that's his dad sitting in front of you." So I, you know, only nice things from that point on. Like, oh, look at how he's moving on offense, and like he's really putting in the effort. But um, you know, it's—it's it's definitely interesting. It's—it's it's almost an odd sensation to see someone, especially not from Portland, that. You know you see on TV so like Tibbs was there the other day and of course classic Tibbs he's like of course he's wearing a stripey polo he just looks he just looked like he came from a barbecue and uh, I know when I was waiting to do the interviews after uh, after game two like the Sixers came on and I had to get out of their way because I was just standing in the middle of the tunnel and I was looking at this this older gentleman and I was like why do I I like I know him not in this context like I know his face but he's just like again, polo khakis, he's just chilling. And it I, I actually I feel bad about this. I had to read his name tag. It was Brett Brown. I just like I didn't make that connection because 'cause you're used to seeing him in a suit and yelling and mm-hmm. but uh no it's it's fun to see guys around. Um like I've seen Shams Taranya around and I haven't run into Zach yet, but I believe Steve did the other day. Yeah, I
1: definitely creeped out Zach Lowe yesterday. <laughs> I think I think with with me it's the, the, I mean, running into players is, is something I, I mean, I've been around a little bit to where I've I've done that before. But for me, it's I'm a nerd for the guys who cover the sport and like running into guys like Zach Lowe and Chris Haynes. And even, you know, some of the local Portland guys, that you don't really get a chance to talk to at length during the season. That's that's been really cool.
0: I saw somebody get a selfie with Woj <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. That was pretty funny. So, well, you brought up a little bit about how, like, the parents and the families are around. I was in the small arena yesterday listening, uh, sitting, watching a game, and behind me were two young women who appeared to be, like, family members or connected with with the players, and I was not wanting to listen to their uh, conversation But it is interesting when you meet the family members and you hear a little bit about like what what the players have gone through, especially these uh, guys who are the fringe players and things like that. I remember a couple his rookie season. I sat next to Alan Crabb's mom. And uh, his best friend was there and he was like, what am I going to do in Portland? I'm so excited to go to Portland. What's you know, what's exciting in Portland? I was like, (laughs) oh, you guys are going to have a great time.
1: (laughs) I, I mean, to circle back real quick to something that David said about Zach Collins about being hard on himself is I think Zach Collins is in this weird situation here where he's from Vegas and nobody here, I would say, has more family and people he's closely connected with that are here watching him. And so when he goes out and struggles, I think he has a little bit more pressure than some of these other guys do, just by the people who are here.
3: And again, uh, with him being hard on himself, and this is something that even goes with his body filling out. It's like, you have to remember the kid's 19. Like when I was 19, I was not nearly as good a speaker as he is. I probably am not now. Like I don't know. We're this is no pressure. We're just sitting in a room here chatting on microphones. We don't have media in our faces with cameras, but uh, like I, the mindset will come, the muscles will come. Hopefully, you know he's he's just you got to remember like he's a kid.
0: You, know, I was sitting next to Marisa, who's one of the moderators for Blazers Edge, and we were just like. He just needs a nap and a nice glass of water and maybe a snack because he just was, he's so tired. And when, you know, he's in this completely different and new atmosphere. And like you said, so young and sometimes like you just need a snack. You just need like <laughs> some pudding. And you know, this is why we close. call you team mom. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Exactly. So but, but it is. It's just one of those things. Like when you, when you are around young people like that, you know, they're tired, they're hungry, they're cranky, they're down on themselves and they're just like they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's like just take a step back you're, going to be you're gonna be good
3: maybe i'll uh, put a caprice on in my camera bag for next time
0: that is an excellent some string em. cheese yeah
3: you know, Very they, handy like snack. pixie sticks get that energy back up
0: well i think i want to go ahead and start wrapping it up but what i'd like uh to last to, to end on today is to talk about some of the things that we see it that you can see in person at summer league that you don't see watching it on tv for me an example is being up close to the games is seeing the quickness of the players and whether or not it's you know their whole they're putting their whole body into the act of guarding someone or if they're just making the lazy you know you get it's a lot easier to see when you're up close not that anyone's lazy but um and then also, like I was saying before, you know, watching them have their body language in, in, the, in the huddles and stuff like that. So what are some of the other things that you've noticed being present that you don't get from uh, not being or from watching on TV?
2: One thing that I thought was pretty cool is when we were at at Cox, and as as we said, you know, Cox Arena is, is small. It's like a high school gym, basically. And so, in the first game we were there when they played the Jazz, there wasn't a lot of people there either. So you could hear on-court conversations, like you could hear players discussing discussing things and talking about you know their situations and stuff. It's like basically like the players were mic'd up a little bit, and so it was kind of cool when when you'd see something and then you'd see up, you know one of the guards come tell somebody else and kinda, you know, hey, on this situation you should be doing this and you know, when it goes along with what you see, you know, it's just kinda cool to see, you know, some of the older guys. I remember uh saw Nick Johnson uh say something to um who's the the Yukon. UConn player, what was his name? Oh, he played with Shabazz. Yeah. I can't think of his Devontae, name right now. Warm Daniels, body number four. Yeah. Warm <laughs> yeah. body number four. Yeah, he you know, came up and pulled Daniels aside and told him, you know, just explain in this situation you need to be here and here. And, and he was right. It was just kind of, it's cool to to kind of see some of the teaching that goes on you know, from player to player and their interaction and how they solve, you know, little in-game problems. And, and that's just kind of cool to, to get some, uh, to get an ear on some of that stuff. Yeah, they're they're very vocal out there. You can hear... Uh, when they're doing like an inbound
3: play, I know Zach Collins was yelling, "Watch the double, watch the double." And you know, when uh, someone's guarding up toward half court, he's saying, "You're alone. We're back here." You know, letting them know that there's no help coming or anything like that. So it's great to to really—I uh, don't want to say like see their thought process because you know I'm not I'm not actually you know in their head—but to to really realize that. Even though they don't have specific sets that are as complicated as you would see during the regular season, they're all trying to make sure that everyone knows where they are, what they're doing, what their role is in a given situation.
0: Yeah, this is really the first opportunity they have to communicate as a team and mm-hmm. watching how they communicate. If it's through pointing, as everybody knows, I love, or through talking or both, you know, it's a it's nice to see them get used to that. How about you, Steve? Some things you've seen like, here
1: on the court. I mean, I think it's any time you get the chance to be this close is how physical play is in the paint. I think when you're when you're up higher on the stands or something on it, watching on TV, I don't think you realize that. How how physical it is in the pain. I mean, Brian obviously knows from playing overseas, but it's it's something that's a little jarring sometimes. Like because I'll find myself like oohing ooing and eyeing, but it's just like that's a normal play. Like it's a mm-hmm. that's a screen, but you know you can hear it, you can almost feel it. And then just also like being that close and around the bench is like a guy like Alan Crab was there on the first day and watching him interact with some of the guys that he's played with with Pat. Like he was talking to Pat a lot. He was talking to Jake Laman a lot. And it's cool to see him interact with also the, the coaching staff and how invested these guys are in the young guys. I mean, Myers Leonard was in, tend- in attendance the first day too. And it- it's cool to see how it all works kind of behind the scenes from and what we can see.
3: Circling back to that physicality for a moment, like it's it's definitely it's crazy to see. Like you saw, um, pardon me, Hell Brown, like he got hurt on a screen. You can hear that thud. You can hear the slap of the floor and like feel the impact. And like even last year, I think I told you guys about this earlier this week, uh, but like a San Antonio player dove past the stanchion and hit the table. I was sitting at and I thought I was going to die Like it it knocked over a monitor the thing went all diagonal I was like trying to protect my laptop in that moment where it's like, you know This is my baby, you know and make sure it doesn't get hurt but like it's it's something else to see like right up there how Just like they, they do things that would break my body and it's just casual.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, Bruce Ely almost got taken out. The Blazers photographer, Bruce, mm-hmm. Bruce Ely, twice yesterday. <laughs> he had he had bodies flying at him. Did you have something you wanted to add, Steve? I,
1: I think I just get I got a, I've been a little desensitized the last few days by just hanging around with Brian so much. But there's a few guys that's still like uh, Santam Singh, who plays for the Mavericks, I believe. He's a seven foot three guy from India, and I mean you get this close to that those players and I mean he looks like a Game of Thrones character like it's it's ridiculous how big some of these guys are
0: yeah Brian is tall and I keep so how tall are you Brian
1: about six nine
0: okay so and I keep using you as my like reference point <laughs> for like okay so Caleb Swanigan is about your height yeah yeah I'm trying to use that as a reference
3: we determined earlier today that Brian gives great hugs because he's so tall <laughs> you can just lean right into him he's wow pop- that
0: was before I got here
3: he's a yeah.
1: popular hug target in the at the SB Nation house you're going have I'm one of, a, one of the best in the side.
3: You're going to have to get a hug before you go, Tara. It's that sturdy base that allowed him to be so good overseas. That
0: it's just like, you can
1: lean, he doesn't move.
0: <laughs> so, Vonley and uh, Swanigan are probably pretty good, too.
1: I, I would say on the team, probably Nurk. just probably the best hugger. You think he's the, the best Hulger. hugger? He's got that Eastern European just...
0: Let's have this be a teaser for the next time we all get yep. together. Yep. We'll talk about well, who's the best hugger on the Trailblazers. Oh, hard <laughs> hitting
1: coverage you're going to get from us.
0: So <laughs> let, let's wrap this up, and I would like to hear from each one of you what you think, uh, if anything, we can take away from Summer League that will up, and how it will apply to the regular season for the Portland Trailblazers. Who wants to start?
3: I can jump on that if you guys want. I think the biggest thing to take away is that Collins isn't there yet. I don't, like I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but like you look at him and he's he's a year or two away, um, which you know that's something that Portland's kind of looking at is trying to make sure that they have the long-term game plan down. But <clears throat> excuse me for those looking for him to be uh, a strong contributor in year one, they maybe need to be a little bit more patient. I'm sure he'll get minutes, but. He's uh, he's not going to be like a game changer out there right away. He has a lot of filling out to do. He needs probably some personal growth, but again, I, like, I'm like i not in his head. I don't want to project that. But for the most part, you know, these guys, uh, you're going to have to be patient. Swanigan, he's really impressing right now, but, you know, his, his summer league strength of being a positionless big and, you know, popping out and guarding threes and stuff like that is going to be one of those things where when you get to the regular season, it might be tough for him to find a spot. And... I don't know it's it's going to be different by the time we get to regular season so again it's hard to really find something to glean from this that's gonna be long-lasting but that would be my take
2: and I think for my take I kind of got to piggyback on that a little bit about Zach Collins Um, I mean me personally I can kind of relate to where he's at and the fact you know he's he's seven foot and he's extremely skinny about that time when I was 19 I was just kind of thinking about it I was about six nine one eighty one eighty five Ooh, that's I, a
0: tall drink of water? <laughs> yeah, and but I was I was
2: extremely skinny, and I mean I ate more than all my friends. I was in the weight room all the time, and you know until you really hit your, until you've really like matured, your body's just not really gonna fill, fill out that much. And then I think two years after, so I was you when know, I was twenty twenty one, I was two forty, and you know you just become a different person. And people hit that at different str- at different points in their life, you know, as I touched on earlier. And he's gonna get there, and that will. And most of the problems that he has are strength related, you know his He's defensively. He defensively. He's been great, but you know he can't really hold his spot. And it has nothing to do with his footwork. Hasn't. No, he's just not strong enough offensively. He, he's not finishing very well. well most of that is the strength. And so core. Yeah, I mean just to to look at what he's done, and and he hasn't impressed very much this this summer league, but. To look
0: offensively, at, or both offensively and defensively. You, uh, defensively,
2: I think he's he's been fine, but you know there's areas areas he could get better too. But to look at what he's done and look at these two games and make make a judgment about how good he is, or or to say anything super negative about his future based on that is really blind.
1: I, I don't really have anything to add to to both what David and Brian said as far as the big men go. I think they they basically covered it. I. I Pat Cottington has been concerning for me. Like usually when you bring a guy who's has some level of experience with this type of competition and you know, he he was a fringe rotational player at times last season and for him to struggle this much really kinda makes me scared for his future in Portland, just because he is the last remaining non guaranteed contract and you know, Portland hasn't made a move. Who knows what they're gonna do? I mean, if they if somebody else comes available for a modest price, I mean it, it's looking like it's Pat Connington's might be his last little bit of action here with Portland.
2: Yeah, I mean, people talk about does summer league really matter? This summer league might might matter more for Pat Connington than than anybody else, because I mean, he came in here as a maybe. I don't know if he's even a maybe at this point. Uh, hopefully,
1: I I agree. I I think we're we're definitely going to see Pat Connington as a professional athlete going forward. It's just a question of what sport it's going to be.
0: With regards to Pat Connaughton, I think one of his biggest qualities that he brings is leadership. It's not necessarily scoring. As we've seen, like in in the arena yesterday, every time he took a shot, we all hold our held our breath and then it clanged off, and we were just... just it was just so disappointing, because you want him to play well so bad. But when you watch him, and the way he interacts, the way he leads the offense, even if he's not the offensive leader, he just seems like a guy who has lots of really great leadership qualities. On this team right now, we already... On on the full roster, we have some really outstanding leaders already. So I don't know if we need him in that in that spot any anymore. Yeah, I, I mean...
1: I- I, I think Pat's a great leader, and I think he's a he's a great guy f- for this hard worker for this group of people. I mean, don't I'm not trying to bash him in that way. It's just you're not really going to be getting leadership from that end of the roster on the on the normal roster, and I, I think it's you would expect a player of his caliber against some of this competition to be playing a little bit better.
3: Well, you never know. I mean, obviously he's not the most gifted player on the full roster. He's not the most gifted player, perhaps on the summer league roster either. But at the same time, you know, like when the full team's that young, you'll take leadership where you can get it. Like Evan Turner right now, isn't he's still the oldest guy on roster, and he's like 28, something like that. Mm-hmm. So like anyone who's, who's going to uh, rally the troops and be vocal is a welcome presence. But that said, uh, he, I, I don't think his uh, time with the Blazers will be lasting too terribly much longer.
0: Yeah, my takeaways from Summer League are that Jake Lehman remains a mystery want to know what's behind those sweet, soulful eyes that he has. He has these incredible eyes, but I just don't Steve know what's going on. He was just talking about that earlier. <laughs> I can't stop talking about it. And, and getting hugs from Brian Freeman. <laughs> mm. it's
2: been a good weekend.
0: Well, uh, but the other thing is it's really fun to have first-round draft picks. <laughs> I for, like, after not having them, I forgot, like, how much fun it is to have first-rounders. I had this, uh,
3: this fear coming into the draft that maybe we would trade a couple picks and then draft OG Ananobi. Which uh, is, is not necessarily a fear long term, but like that we wouldn't have anyone new to watch this year. And then I'd come down here and be like, so, Jake, uh, what have you been working on? You know, uh, and who, Jake might be have been working on his hugs. Maybe that's uh, part of the yeah. teaser. Maybe <laughs> he's got those soulful eyes and welcome arms. Who knows?
0: Well, I think the fact remains that we are having a good time watching the players down here, watching the players from other teams as well. I want to thank David McKay. Brian Freeman and Steve DeWald for joining me today on the Blazers Edge podcast you guys want to real quick say where people can find your work and then we'll call it a day Um, I'm
1: pretty regular in the newsroom or posting news stories on Blazers Edge Uh, my Twitter is at Steve D hoops and that's how you can find most of my work
2: Uh, I have a bi-weekly column I'm supposed to actually have one that comes out tomorrow, but uh, I pushed it back a week because we've been busy doing this. Um, too but, busy hugging everyone. Yeah, I've given them lots <laughs> of hugs. It's exhausting. Uh, but I have a biweekly common, com- column where I just kind of talk about some sort of situation uh, through the eyes of somebody who played professional basketball, you know, tons of different different topics. And uh, So you can find me there, or you can always find me on Twitter, Brian Freeman 24. Yeah, I mean, all our work is available at Blazer's Edge. I think we're all pretty
3: active there. Uh, I... Fortunately and unfortunately pretty much live on Twitter, so if you want to talk to me, I will likely respond to you, as long as you're nice, uh, or even if you're not. But uh, that's David McKay, N-B-A, McKay spelled M-A-C-K-A-Y, with that little Scottish A snuck in there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to chat anytime. I'm usually posting either news stories or photos or my terrible opinions, so you're welcome to uh, come at me with a rebuttal.
0: Well, I am at T C B Biggs on Twitter, and I'm on the podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast, Stitcher, iTunes, give us likes and reviews and all that good stuff. On behalf of these three fabulous uh, roundtable – oh, we're actually sitting in chairs. But on behalf of my th- uh, three fabulous guests, thank you for joining us today.
1: Uh, thank you, Tara. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tara.
2: Thank you can make them cast the metal.